Hey everybody, welcome to Turn It Up, an intermittent podcast from Turning, your hybrid learning leader, celebrating the potential and the people behind effective hybrid learning solutions. Turning is committed to engaged and equitable learning for everyone, everywhere. So if you're an educator, student, trainer, a worker, or just an overall believer in equitable and engaged learning, you have come to the right place. Uh, We have a very distinguishing show for you today with uh, distinguished professor, uh, chemical and environmental engineer and professor of public health, Dr. Paul Blowers uh, from the University of Arizona. Uh, Dr. Blowers is a prolifically published and uh, highly decorated thought leader in the uh, higher ed space with, uh, I have to say, some very intimidatingly intelligent contributions, <laughs> such as, uh, I mean, I was reading your, uh, your bibliography or whatever. And so, for example, uh, here, here's, here's, here's a paper or a publish, uh, publishing uh, assessment of theoretical methods for the study of hydrogen abstraction, kinetics of global warming gas species during their degradation and byproduct formation. So, that's that's a mouthful there, uh, but but also uh, our our guest today has some more familiar um, musings uh, that might be um, familiar to this audience, such as uh, responsive teaching in online learning environments. So it's a little more a little more our speed there, uh, Dr. Paul. Um, but speaking of awards, uh, he's got a well deserved over thirty awards on his mantle there uh, uh, at his home, um, and uh, with perhaps the most impressive award being, uh, which hopefully we'll get to here in the next couple of minutes, uh, being first place in the mild and medium traditional salsa category uh, at the University of Arizona uh, at the part, as part of the student affairs and enrollment management uh, something. So we'll hopefully find out about that. It's a perfect uh, little, uh, little topic for us on this day as we're Heading into a weekend, so anyway, it's a, and I also think in all seriousness, it, it, it's a, it's a testament to his well balanced life and outlook on it. Uh, I'm sure. So let's get ready to turn it up today with Dr. Paul Blowers. Hey, Paul. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's it's great. So we got to hear. I mean, before we get into all the serious stuff, you got you got to talk to us about salsa. I mean, that's fantastic. Is, are you are you a, a chef? Uh, is that an avocation of yours? Kind of a foodie. Uh, I am a foodie. I love to cook. Um, and kind of hi- historically, we've been part of a community supported agriculture group for, uh, I think, 16 years now. And we get unusual ingredients um, that are hyper local. And for the salsa competition in particular, the one that won for me was a breakfast radish salsa with mm. cilantro and lime. Um, I had a hot one that came so close to winning. Um, so many people kept coming back around in the testing um, phases that I knew I was close on that one and just didn't get picked. Um, it's mm. okay. Wow. <laughs> that sounds great. That is, that is not, and that is, we do not eat like that in our house. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Well, well, hey, digging into this and, and uh, uh, no pun intended, digging in. Um, I wanted to kind of start with just kind of your background, you know, uh, looking at, you know, the arc of your, uh, of your academic career you know, and, and this, and the field that you're in. I mean, it is a very, um, it's a very, uh, like I said in the intro, it's a very distinguishing, it's a very intense area of study, the this, this science of, you know, chemical and environmental engineering and public, I mean, it's very, you know, hard 
um, the perception anyway. It's very like it's the serious stuff, and yet you have you've got this great balance of applying, you know, and and really doing a lot of study on it, doing a lot of practice of engagement with it. And I'm just wondering how you found, let's maybe start with how you got into the sort of the field of, of study and work. And then when, um, when you also then developed this, you know, um, companion sort of like, uh, um, sort of, uh, uh, field or, or practice of making sure that, that, that your students were actually like engaging in it, uh, or has it always been kind of part and parcel? Uh, it was not part and parcel um, of my journey. So uh, I grew up in a very small town in northern Michigan, uh, very, very small. Um, my high school did not even offer trigonometry. Um, and so my math was truncated before pre-calculus. Um, and so going forward, I got excited about chemical engineering because the most respected people in this tiny town had attempted chemical engineering as a major and had left. And these are the most respected people in the town, the county commissioner, the, the, the town pharmacist, the one, I mean, it was the, 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 such a small town. Um, and I decided that liking chemistry and math and that the challenge of perceived challenge, again, I, I want to thank you for recognizing a lot of people perceive this as a, a very difficult field, the perceived challenge um, uh, really got me excited. And so I entered undergrad, I went to a large state public school, um, and it was a good experience. Uh, it wasn't particularly engaging. The faculty were good, they cared, but it was, you know, mostly lecture. Was, mm. you know, they would answer questions. Um, they were very, very helpful, very good about one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings. Um, and then I went to grad school and it was all about research. Although as a TA, um, I was asked to TA four times, a teaching assistant. Uh, I was asked to do that four times as part of my commitment to being a graduate student. And I did, and I got an award each time. And then I decided that maybe teaching was going to be a potential route for me. Yeah, and I, right. I, I mentioned it to my advisor and I asked him, can I, can I keep being a TA? And he said, sure, as long as you keep publishing. And so I kept publishing and I kept getting my technical research work done. And I got three more TA awards and the university gave me the biggest TA award um, as well. And so that pretty much cemented I was going to become a faculty member. Yeah, um, cool. It was, so the one thing that I think set me apart from many of my colleagues, and this is interesting as, a, as an instructor to think about, um, if you know where a student is in their learning, you know what they should know and what might be a challenge for them. And you can create a probing question that is right at the edge. And so you, you don't leave them behind, but you hook into something that they do have just a little bit of access to and a little bit of experience. And then you can bring them along to where you need to go. And mm -hmm. I observed just in the hallways um, when I was a grad student, my, my peers couldn't do that. They, they mm -hmm. would use a graduate topic to explain something to a freshman. Yeah. And so as a teacher, just thinking about where a student is allows you to turn off all of the things that they don't know and not scare them. Yeah. 
Um, and so then I got to University of Arizona where I've been for my entire career. And I was a very gifted lecturer. Um, I, my students thought I was witty. Um, <laughs> I was funny. I was relatable. I could tell good stories. Yeah. And students were failing my class. And I dug in trying to understand why, why is that? What, what in their experience is there that is having an impact? And as an engineer, can I design out any flaws? Um, because, you know, if I have this engineering background where the, the drive is always to make it better, always design out a flaw yeah. that appears. So that flaw can never appear again. And so I, you know, I met intensively with many students um, after my first year of teaching sophomores. I had two students. I met with each one of them an extra half hour, three times a week individually, um, just probing okay, what happens here. How do you study? Um, what is it like when you try and access this content? And so I really diversified my view of what it means to engage um, mm -hmm. by working one-on-one -on -one with those two students. Um, and you come to a lot of realizations, like the students aren't you. That's one. Right, right, <laughs> um, right. And that's good and bad um, <laughs> for lots of different reasons. Um, you realize that they're coming from a different background with different values um, and help becoming aware that there's such a diversity out there really made me able to work with students and find, like I said earlier, that hook. What is that, that word or that phrase or that language or the topic that gets them excited again when they're tired or frustrated? So how did, that's, that's, that's wonderful. And I, I think the distinction that you're making too implicitly between, um, you know, something that when you see you're, you're very effective lecturer and, and it very, um, you didn't use this word, but I've, you know, but entertaining, you know what I mean? Like it was, I'm sure people loved your classes because, you know, the lectures were, were entertaining and funny or whatever, but the, the distinction between entertainment and education, I think, uh, is, is really, um, I think it's really profound. How, how did technology end up being one of the solutions? So, you know, you, you went, yeah totally investigative Mike Wallace on this, which is awesome. When did you realize that maybe it was uh, something like a technology solution was going to be that hook that, that would work? Uh, it took me quite a while. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, like a lot of good ideas. Um, and I'll also share with you, I tried technology early on and um, I wasn't ready. My support locally at my school was not ready and the technology wasn't quite robust at that mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tried um, many technologies early on and I rejected a bunch. Um, and I then was co-teaching with a colleague who was had learned how to use um, the turning clickers as part of her work teaching a very large multi-section course. So they mm -hmm. had additional support there to help each faculty member get up to speed on using it. And so co-teaching with her, I learned how to use all, all the bells and whistles of turning. And then I started pushing even harder. Um, I want this, uh, this, it'd be awesome if this was there. Right. Here's something that bothers me when I have a question and I want to, I want to see this. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And so um, it, uh, I, realized that um, 
I have one pair of ears. I have one pair of eyes. Um, I have one body. And if I'm teaching 100 students, I can't hear and see and understand every everything that everyone's thinking, but with a yeah. clicker question or, you know, word clouds, it's a different technology. Um, lots of different ways you could do it. Voting cards where people can hold up something that's just visual. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a very low tech solution. Yeah. Um, and when I started being able to do that, I then was realizing students have a lot going on in their head that is not <laughs> what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so um, I guess, uh, <clears throat> and when I say that, it's again, not good or bad. It's, uh, it's good for me to know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, you know, early on I was, um, I went on after I did that co-teaching experience and I went on no, no stress. I co-taught with my department chair. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, and I put in a clicker question. And, you know, at that point I was digging into self-efficacy and learning that um, if I want to be a faculty member who really, really gets students in and helps build confidence, which in my field, um, in a STEM field, student self-confidence drops until your fifth year senior. Mm -hmm. It just constantly gets eroded by your daily life of getting another bad exam, like my, like I did, getting <laughs> homework that you didn't finish, like me, um, all these things. That, you know, you as a student, you're like, I'm a failure because I'm never, I'm not getting the grades I used to. I'm not completing the homework. I'm not getting sleep. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is this really worth it? Um, and so I put in a very, very low softball question. It's just like, I teed up the question. I said, how is saturation pressure related to vapor pressure? And we're three weeks into this content and, you know, my department chairs in the room as we're teaching, he rolls his eyes as, as his gaze passes past mine, as he sees the clicker question. And I can see him thinking like, what a waste. Um, you know, mm -hmm. this, this question isn't, and then the responses came in and 80% of the class got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, I was not meaning to do formative assessment. I wasn't. I wasn't meaning to collect student information that I could take an action on. Um, I was trying to build their confidence by giving them an easy question. Yeah. We'll talk about an eye opener. The easy question wasn't easy. Right, um, right. And we've been using these two terms synonymously for two weeks. Uh-oh. Yeah. How do we bridge that gap? And so I knowing my textbook very, very well, I said, um, I want everyone to open to table B4. And I want you to rethink this question. I'm going to relaunch this poll. And that was the first time I ever relaunched a poll, by the way. Mm. Um, the need was great enough yeah. <laughs> that, that I needed to give them a shot to repair their misconception and help address everything. And so I relaunched the poll and you could see people flipping through their book, um, you know, pre-pandemic when people had books and we were in a classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I could hear students go, wait a minute, this is saying they're the same thing. Why did I think they were different? Yeah. And then lots and lots of questions flooded in. Um, and so technology, I was fumbling with a way of trying to see what students were understanding other than just a confused look on their face. Right. Um, and then me wanting to build self-efficacy with an easy question opened my eyes that this can serve a different purpose. Yeah. 
it can help me collect information that then if I need to go to a table before again, I can. And if I don't, I can just say, good job. Yeah. Now let's use that idea and, and I can ask the next question. And just so you have a sense here, um, I, I'm observed a lot by colleagues locally and, and not. Um, and in a typical 50 minute class, I have uh, about 23 clicker questions. Okay. And they're um, all there for a purpose. Originally, you know, I was just trying to keep students awake and, you know, jolt them. Oh, wait, I have to do something. <laughs> and now, you know, every single question has some different little purpose. Maybe it's to build confidence. Maybe it's to check understanding. Maybe it is to, norm here's one I did in the pandemic. Um, I had a, it, it's two question series. Um, one worry I have now is, and students in the word cloud, in our safe space could tell anything. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I would share one that it was a real worry I had just trying to normalize this. Um, you know, we're in a weird time. Yeah. None of this is normal and we're all struggling, but then not to leave a negative taste, I would follow it up with the positive one success I had last this last class was, and that then reminded us that there are good things happening. So, you know, even those two questions served a purpose during the pandemic. And I think, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep it too once a week yeah. after because, you know, our student challenges and my challenges aren't going away. Yeah. It's well, I think it's such a great example too of, of, of what uh, it sounds like the, you know, the utilization, you know, the initial use case, which was let's make sure the comprehension goals are, are being met. But then, you know, when I hear you tell a story about, about, you know, um, you know, when you realize then that, okay, the the we have a comprehension gap in mass and so we're actually going to stop so whatever you were planning on doing that day with your lecture with your with your with your mentor i'm sure that had to also be a little bit of a conscious thing saying all right we're going to stop we're going to call a little audible here um but that i would imagine and then like the example you just gave with utilizing the technology to also tap into a little bit more of that kind of social emotional learning space has got to instill a sense of just like genuine, like, um, care. It's kind of a weird word there, but like with your students, like your students must really feel like, okay, this guy genuinely is, is cares about my education. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's, it's a very, um, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're putting it all out there. The, 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 the numbers don't lie. And then for you to also be responding to what you're seeing, responding to that feedback. It's just, uh, it's, it's just got it. You very long way of saying, I'm, 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 I'm imagining that you get a lot of great feedback from your students. Like, you know what, this was actually, I actually learned something here. You know what I mean? Like I actually, I'm getting my money's worth. This is exactly what higher, higher education, higher learning is intended to be. Uh, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, um, not that they say that it's worth it to them. What they say is um, he really noticed. Mm -hmm. um, he, he saw what, whatever, 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 whatever it was that um, I responded to. And you know, right now um, I'm, I'm building that 
feeling with my next batch of students, you know, I won't even meet them for three and a half weeks. Um, and they already got an email from me three and a half weeks ago saying, here's some pictures of me. Here's my family. Here are hobbies I like to do. This worries me. I'm excited because we're going to be in person. I, I really hope. Um, can you please send me a picture? I have a hard time learning names. Um, mm -hmm. It's really, really hard for me. Give me a context. Tell me some two weird things. Mm -hmm. um, and the students have been responding to that saying, no faculty member has ever done this. And I'm thinking, why not? It's easy, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like a 30 second email. Um, and a lot of transfer students are just telling me, you know, I was so scared coming to the big school. I'm, this makes me feel so much better. What do I do now to be ready? Yeah, right. So they're, they're looking for that kind of just easy connections. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hey, we um, we are at the um, we are already uh, at the last uh, kind of uh, sort of the wrap up, uh, the closing segment of the show that we like to call turning the page. Uh, this is the regular part of the show uh, where if we haven't gotten to it already, we give each of our guests the chance to kind of look into a little crystal ball of sorts to see uh, or wish or predict the future a little bit here. Uh, so, uh, so, so Paul, as, as you look, uh, to turn the page to the future of, uh, you know, hybrid learning, engaged learning, you know, the utilization of technology in class, all these things that we've been kind of talking about, all these things that you've actually been leading, um, you know, um, for a while here, you know, both in the classroom, but also, you know, in, 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 you know, K through 12 and all this kind of stuff, it's just taking over everything. <laughs> how yeah. in five years, five years, how is it different? Uh, what 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 do you see uh, changing, or, or what are the trends that you're seeing uh, um, that that we're gonna five years from now I'll be going? That's right, yeah, Dr. Blower said that this was <laughs> this was gonna happen. Yeah, uh, so I think there, uh, and I'm gonna go really really big picture, and I'm not gonna let the fact that we are hopefully exiting a pandemic time color what I'm saying. So I'm yeah, gonna use my, yeah. my broader view. Um, I think with the enrollment cliff coming, um, you know, we have not nearly as many high school seniors graduating, um, that the competition for good students um, is going to get so fierce that universities are going to have to change from the status quo, which we have been under for a long time, which is, yeah, come into these, t come into your major, you're either going to make it or not, you, you be you. Um, that's not going to fly anymore um, yeah. because we're going to have people with money and time um, who are going to dig in um, the time part. And they're going to say, wait a minute, my student's going to go there and they're going to be not uh, well taken care of. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're going to see because of the enrollment cliff, uh, some pressures from upper administration for faculty to maybe actually care. Um, you hit it early on. <laughs> when you have a faculty member that cares, a lot of good happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and um, so if I had a crystal ball, I think that the enrollment cliff is going to push faculty to have to change their practices because it's going to be both <laughs> coming from internal. Hey, I have fewer and fewer students. Is it me? Yeah. Um, or is my university now giving me more support to help rethink my teaching to be a little more student centric. Yeah. 
Um, maybe I'm just saying that because I have two high, uh, high school uh, teenagers right now, and they're going to be in college in five years, <laughs> and that's what I want them to experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Paul Blowers, for being on Turn It Up. Uh, we so appreciate your leadership and uh, and and spending this time with us, and uh, we can't wait for the next uh, salsa. Uh, creation to hit the streets. We'll, we'll keep our eyes open for it. I've got some fresh tomatillos I just picked up uh, two days ago. <laughs> That's my next one. Uh, fantastic. All right. Th- thanks again. All right. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. Visit us at turning.com to see how turning can turn up your hybrid learning.